Glad y'all are here this morning. If you're a guest here for the first time, you're, you're getting to experience a couple things that are different, both at the same time. One is mobile worship. We do this a couple times in the spring, a couple times in the fall. Uh, we leave a perfectly good building, a sound system that we know well, um, all kind of things that are just very familiar to us, and try and keep ourselves off balance a little bit. Balance is overrated, and when you get, it, get yourself off balance, you find that you discover some things about God. Uh, one of the things that we've discovered from putting ourselves off balance a couple times in the spring, a couple times in the fall, is that our church is not a building. A church is a people. And the building that we typically gather at is not something that we have to have. Lord could take that, and we would press on. We might gather at your house next Sunday, but we would gather. We might gather in Rockwall or uh, Greenville or wherever, but a couple things he's shown us. First of all, that he's also just burdened us that we need to enjoy Christ out loud in different parts of our community. So we move around. We go to different locations, and we try and connect to the neighborhoods around um, where we're worshiping. So if you live in the neighborhood, if, if you're a guest this morning, you live in the neighborhood around GHS, we're glad you're here. If you're a guest at all, we're glad you're here. But that's one thing that you're getting to experience. It's a little bit different. The other thing that you're getting to experience is a little bit different. Well, I just thought of another. Is membership renewal. We do this once a year. Membership can become a thing where it's just kind of a head count. And it become, can become kind of a, 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 you can envision a, a file cabinet in a church secretary's office that has dust on it that is opened periodically to stick a new name in there sticks it in there. That's not what membership is. Membership should be quality commitments to each other to be searchable, to be searching, to know, to be knowable, to be accountable to each other, to be accountable to God's leadership. So that's all this is, is yearly. At the la- on the last Sunday of March, we make the point to gather and recommit ourselves to the Lord through one another to be engaged in each other's lives and to be part of each other's lives. The third thing I thought of is on that membership renewal Sunday, we also have every little bitty kid in with us all at once. (laughs) So you're probably like, man, is it always this noisy when they gather? Not usually, but we're we're not afraid of it. We're not worried about it. So if you're a parent and you're thinking, man, my kid is being so loud, that's okay. We've got kids. We know what that's like. You learn to just listen kind of beyond that and, uh, so don't fret and don't worry. I'm envisioning Jacob wrestling with God, some of these parents wrestling with their kids. Let me put that, there. some of these kids wrestling with their parents. We're going to use that illustration. Um, that's okay. Wrestle away. Do the best that you can to listen and engage. What we're going to do this morning, well, let me pray, and then I'll take you on our, on our journey that we're going to go on this morning. <clears throat> Lord, in these next few minutes, um, first of all, before we even enter into to or continue in worship together as a church. We want to pray for another church in our community and one that's near this building. I want to pray for Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church, and I want to pray for Bobby Sparks, uh, the pastor there. Lord, we want to pray for his worship, pray for his marriage, pray for his family, that he is overwhelmed and amazed by the gospel of Christ. Lord, we pray that he is uh, enjoying you and that that is invading his role as a husband and as a father if he has kids. Um, Lord, we want to pray for this church. Pray for this church that they will truly enjoy you through the preached and taught word week by week and that they will be on a journey of faith together. 
Lord, we pray that we can serve as true partners, and uh, whether it's in an unofficial way, serving next to each other in the community, or whether it might be in an official capacity, I pray that you'll find us attentive and ready to walk with this sister church. Lord, also we want to pray for Greenville High School. As we gather here at this school, we want to pray for this geography and what takes place in this building most of the time. We want to pray for the people that get dressed in the morning and come to this building to pour themselves into kids. I want to pray for those kids that as they gather on the weekdays to be taught, Lord, we pray that your name will somehow invade that setting and invade those Tuesdays, an average Tuesday with algebra and English. Pray that you can be enjoyed. Pray for those who worship you and know you and enjoy you, that they will be out loud in their enjoyment of you in this setting. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to worship here this morning, and uh, we pray that your name will be uh, glorified this morning. Pray that you will be enjoyified, and uh, we're just thankful for the chance to gather. We love you, Lord, and we turn this time over to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm chapter 9 is sort of leading us on our journey this morning. We've been in John chapter 15, and we've been looking at uh, abiding in the vine and bearing fruit. So what we're doing this morning is we're sort of doing a fruit count, taking a look at some of the fruit that the Lord has given us as a church. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 says this. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. These two verses are going to be our guide for the morning. We're going to do two things. We're going to recount God's deeds, and we're going to continue to sing his praise. And we're going to do those sort of interspersed. I'm going to spend a few minutes doing some fruit recounting, and then we're going to sing some more. And then we're going to have a little bit more fruit recounting, and then, then some more songs. What I want you to pay attention to this morning is this could potentially be, if you're not really listening close, you could potentially think that this is a church gathering to make much of themselves. But anybody that's been around this church for any period of time knows that that can't happen. Because <laughs> we're a bunch of, we're a feeble lot. We are. And anybody that's been around us knows what this is in these next few minutes is enjoying a God who's done some mighty verbs among us. God is going to get these, all the glory in these next few minutes as we recount his wonderful deeds in a bunch of ordinary misshapen misfits called Crosspoint Fellowship. On January 18th, 2004, we began a journey in the book of John. 2004, he has been a wonderful guide, John. He's, he's guided us in many ways to the rest of our Bibles. Our journey with John has led us to the letters of the churches in Revelation. It's led us to the book of Exodus. We've blown the dust and the cobwebs off of Leviticus. We've had a series of messages on shepherding. We've even had a series of messages on the church. And John has guided us to most of those encounters. God has done some amazing things with this journey, and I, with you, look forward to what he has in store in these remaining chapters if the Lord doesn't return first. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I encourage you this morning, if you're real quick turning to turn, if not, then just sit back and listen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 says, About this we have much to say. The, the writer of the book of Hebrews, we don't know who he is, but he's writing to Hebrew believers 
He's saying, we have much to say. It's hard to explain Hebrew readers who are believing in Jesus. It's hard to explain to you since you become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. One of the things that we're looking at as we look at this body, the elders and the small group leaders and some of the families that I've talked to is we're looking at a people that seem to be growing up to maturity and eating solid food. We're seeing a group of feeble people, real people, who are working out our salvation with fear and trembling, who are not sitting back on flowery beds of ease. And I don't mean doubting, but I mean wrestling with the matters of eternity. People who are examining ourselves to see if we're in the faith, as Paul told the Corinthians. We're seeing God do some difficult things in us, work us, take us through some difficult issues like election like God's absolute and complete sovereignty over all things, that he ordains or allows all things. We're wrestling with difficult issues like concurrence, where one person means something evil, but God means something for good in the same event. We're seeing God take us to some difficult issues like Trinity and perichoresis and the blurry dance of God. And most recently, we're seeing God take us to some difficult places like apostasy, some grueling places. But he's taken us to some rich, beautiful truths that make us sing, truths like propitiation. And in doing so, in taking us to these hard places, he's growing in us deep roots and strong branches and an appetite for sustenance, an appetite for solid food. This is something that we believe God is doing in us. And it's sweet to see it. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. One of the things we're seeing in this body is we're seeing the preached and exposed word week by week where people are gnawing on these realities. Most of my Christian life has been a preaching message that sort of runs parallel to life that might intersect if we just might have something interesting to preach about. But what we're seeing in this church right now is we're seeing something driving the ministry. We're seeing God's message, the preached word, this good news that was preached to us that's giving life, this imperishable seed. People are asking questions, and that's a good thing. There's a conversation, a dialogue as people are persevering in the Word. We're seeing consistency, faithfulness, teachability in men and their families who are undone by things like the doctrines of grace and election. We're seeing families who are walking faithfully and consistently, families who are undone by things like God's absolute and complete sovereignty. This is certainly not an exhaustive list, but some of the men that I've walked through these sort of issues with who were completely wrecked and disassembled through these matters are men like Bud Jones, like Mark Jackson, like Clay Petzold, like Aaron Hamilton, like Ben McGraw, like Scott Sutton. 
The word has been like a wrecking train, but yet it's been like a construction crew at the same time. It's been awesome to see it unfold. Hosea 6, 6, 6 says, God says, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. That's what we're seeing at Crosspoint Fellowship is a people that seem to be desiring to know more about God. And not just to know more about him, but to know him personally. It's awesome to see it in motion. 2 Corinthians 2.17 says, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. First of all, I'm blown away by the fact that the church is an infant at this point, And Paul is saying already we've got so many who are peddling the word. The church is a baby at this point. How many peddlers do we have now? And I don't see that here in this body. By God's grace and mercy, we have nothing to peddle. We're just exposing it week by week. As men of sincerity, we speak in Christ. I ask, what else do we have to share? What else do we have to talk about? Like Peter telling Jesus, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. What else you got? Nothing. But it's everything, this message, week by week. And we're seeing this engaged in a sincere, authentic way. As I read these words, men of sincerity, I'm thinking about the men in this church. I'm thinking about men of sincerity who are speaking in Christ. This has created what seems to be a very authentic and genuine bunch of people. And I'm going to tell you right now, the sincerity is refreshing. The authenticity is refreshing. Paul Tripp made the observation about many church folk is that we'd rather have a comfortable evening than a candid evening. And that's unfortunate, but that's true. I don't see that at Crosspoint Fellowship. I see plenty of comfortable evenings as people spend time with each other, but I don't see us running from the candid I don't see us running from the real. People are truthing one another in love, and it's refreshing. God has shown us, as this word has been exposed week by week, as we've walked in it together, he's shown us that faith is a journey. It's not something that you just go get, like a check in the block. It's a journey, and that journey is walked out at three miles an hour. It's walked out on ordinary Sunday mornings and ordinary Tuesday evenings when a small group might gather it's walked out on ordinary times. And what we found is that our hearts are jungles. <laughs> As we've been real honest with ourselves and with each other, we found that our hearts are jungles and that over time at three miles an hour that God makes it look more like a garden. But the heart is never fixed. It's never fixed because it's still fueled by flesh, this side of glory. It's just tended to. In that, we've seen a people that are thankful even as we journey through trial. We've seen a people who are weeping with one another and rejoicing with one another. We've observed and walked with a people who are graceful and humble toward each other, being lived out in the dailiness of life. Something else we're seeing from the point of view of the elders that is just really crazy awesome. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be at no advantage to you. I'm going to tell you right now, we're seeing a leadable people that makes it a joy to lead. I can speak on behalf of the other elders. Matthew chapter 6, 21 says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We're seeing a people who are big-hearted and open-handed toward each other. We're seeing a bunch of people who are worshiping through giving what we can't keep anyway. Something else we're seeing that I feel very, very uncomfortable saying these words, but I'm going to qualify them as we're seeing lots of baptisms. If you've been around church for any period of time, you know what that can sound like. Notches in your gun. Head counts. When I say we're seeing lots of baptisms, what I'm saying is in reflecting 1 Peter is that we're seeing many appeals to God for a good conscience through the finished work of Jesus Christ via water. <laughs> Let's define it biblically. We're seeing many people, we're seeing shepherds stepping into baptism pool with their son or daughter that are appealing to God for a good conscience through the finished work of Jesus Christ and then going through the baptismal waters. That's something to celebrate. We're seeing a weekly enjoyment of the table of the Lord's Supper. And realize it or not, week by week, as we take on this diet of the Lord's Supper, he's building a supper ethic into us. And he's growing us more satisfied with his kingdom meal and less satisfied with the buffet of the world. We're seeing the difficulty of church discipline. And we're seeing the beauty of some restored families. The beauty of those wayward brothers who are drawn back into faith. He's given us a real and true burden for other churches in the community. It's not something that's a fake. It's a sincere desire to see the name of the Lord flourish in other places. He's healing marriages. Pay attention to the ING. He's healing marriages. Not all of them have been saved, but many of us are growing in marriage. And we're finding that it's hard and it never gets fixed, but it can be tended to. And that it's a good hard. And that it's one worth working through because it puts the gospel on display in our homes where tomorrow's church gathers. We're seeing single moms and single dads leading and loving well. And God's grace showing up big in those settings where tomorrow's church is still having their eyes open to the sweetness of the gospel. We're seeing the Lord bring families into this body in seven years. He's drawn three sorts of people into this body. He's drawn really strong families who are rich and mature in their faith, who are somewhat malnourished maybe in where they've been. That's the first group. The second group is maybe a group of young families, young spiritually families, but they come in teachable and hungry with this being their their food and their nourishment. And the third group of people that he's bringing into our bodies is a bunch of babies, a bunch of them. We can listen to them. Just listen. Their little voices are all over this room right now and all outside as people are trying to wrestle with them out there. Man, he's blessed us with growth in remarkable places. We're going to sing now. We're going to sing two songs, but I want to share something with you about these songs. Y'all can come on up, worship team. 
Most of the songs that we're singing this morning are songs that have been written by these guys and by some of y'all. These next two songs, the first one's called Hard to Believe. These songs beautifully are a product of the journey that we've been on through the Word. This first song called Hard to Believe, I asked Mark to give me some details about it. He said it was inspired by the Surely He Stinketh series, mostly by Sermon 4. The first two verses explain our wretchedness and our being called from death to worship Christ the King. The chorus then responds with a hallelujah, the only word we could think of to proclaim the joy of being rescued from death. After the hallelujah, we sing, Oh, that he loves us, making known why we are singing the hallelujah. The last verse opens up with an attempt to sing the illustration of the 18-wheeler bearing down on someone stuck in the road. Then we repeat the chorus one last time using the music to lift the words one last time. The next song is a song called Your Glory is Our Cry, Lord. Aaron Hamilton said this song came out of the marriage series and it's about the bride of Christ. And Mark said, I've always felt that it reflects a cry from a bride, the church, to glorify God and to make him our anthem and not ourselves or our things. Let's worship in song. Three things we're going to engage in before we get, take the Lord's Supper together. First is ministry. 2 Corinthians 12, 15 says, I will most gladly spend to be spent for your souls. Lord has given Crosspoint a staff team that is being spent for your souls. It's an awesome team of people that if we had to tell them, hey, we can't pay you anymore, or even if you had to tell them, hey, you got to pay us to do what you're doing, they'd be figuring out what they could sell. You think I'm joking. I'm telling you right now, Lord has blessed us with an awesome team that works well together. Right now, too, we're seeing more members doing ministry than ministers. And I put ministers quotes around it. We're seeing people who are willing to serve. Tiffany said, we gathered on uh, Tuesday for a staff meeting. She said this is the first month that she's been able to wave people off who wanted to serve because others had already eagerly stepped in. I think it's Annie that said the title is not required to serve. TNR, title not required. People are taking the initiative and stepping in and just doing it. There's growth in surprise places. There's people that are stepping up and doing things that we and they didn't know that they could do. But they're stepping up and doing it and we're seeing God glorified through it. And they are too. You are too. Something else he's doing is he's shaped small groups. He's raised up 22 small group shepherds and co-shepherds. And these guys in many ways are serving as elders or micro-elders. And I trust that these men are going to be future elders of Christ church. Future church planters, possibly. And we're seeing these 12 small groups or 11 small groups that have been raised up. We're seeing awesome blessings through those small groups. I need to tell you, too, that we wrestled a while back and have wrestled since with whether to make this a requirement for membership that you're part of a small group. But we have a small handful of people that are in very unique situations where small group is not a possibility, yet they're still engaging the body. They're still knowing and known. So we're not going to make it a requirement to be a member. We're just going to present it to you like it's turtle cheesecake. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about when I say turtle cheesecake like a little slice of heaven with chocolate crusted all over it and nuts like it's a, a sin to eat it that's it's, it's that good 
So we're just putting it out there saying, this is turtle cheesecake. You must have some. That's what small groups is. Just the really, 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 really strong encouragement to be part of a small group if you haven't been. Right now, 90% of our member families are walking in the word together through small group. We're also seeing God raise up new and future elders. Scott Sutton's going to be appointed the last Sunday of April. Scott sort of has a deer in the headlights look about the whole matter right now because he knows there are three things involved as we engage the elders a while back. We engage, as the Greek says, agonizomai, which is Greek for agony. The Greek says spendomai, which is Greek or which is English. Or that's Greek for spent. And another word that's associated with being an elder is gumnazo, is where we get gymnasium from. It's hard work. And Scott's seeing those things, and Scott's ready to step up, so we'll be appointing him the last Sunday of April. We're seeing cohesion within the elders like nothing I've ever experienced, where three guys right now, soon to be four, are complimenting each other. Not complimenting like, oh, your hair looks nice. But I mean complimenting each other, making up for each other's shortcomings. To make something that's greater than the sum of its parts, where each of us are standing back and hearing and seeing a wisdom that's greater than any one of us. Consistently. And it gives God glory. We're seeing deacons who are looking for where and when to serve. We're seeing deacons with eyes that are looking for glasses that are overflowing and connecting them to glasses that are half full or empty. We're seeing a weekly prayer team that's gathering on Thursday mornings to lift up your needs and your joys. We're seeing good religion. James chapter 1 verse 27 says religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit that means tend to orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world we're seeing God raise up a group of people who are burdened for the orphan Christy and I were counting last night we counted seven adoptions since we've been at cross point and then there's gobs of others, other people the Lord has brought here who have adopted or are fostering. There's a corporate burden for the fatherless. And we're seeing good religion on display. We're seeing mobile worship. God is proving to, our, to us and to others the church is not a building. He's proving to us the church is agile and mobile. And that he wants the worship of his name in every place. And we're wondering over time as we sow into different parts of our community what effect this will have over the course of years. We're wondering if children, if you may not reap the harvest that God is sowing in this community right now in the spring and in the fall. Speaking of children, we're seeing children who are being shepherded at home we're seeing children who show up for small group Bible study or show up for Sunday morning Bible study or Wednesday night Bible study. And we're seeing a bunch of kids that you can tell are engaging it between Sunday gatherings. It's reflected in their, in their perspective. They're connecting dots that kindergartners aren't supposed to be able to connect. And it shows us that mom and dad are engaging them. Scott told a story on Ella. He said they were reading a parable the other day. And Ella, after reading the parable, said, Now we need to find the hidden meaning, Daddy. <laughs> we're seeing adults 
who know each other's children. I think it was Christy that told me. She visited the McCullough small group one night and she said, you know, it's cool because although she knows whose kids belong to who, she was looking at a small group meeting through the eyes of a visitor and thinking, you can't tell what kids belong to who. One kid sitting in one family's lap and turns out it's not even their kid. Families know each other's kids. And it turns out this thing that we have periodically, this dedication is more than just a ceremony, but it's truly a commitment of each other's children to each other to be part of the bride. It's awesome to see it in action. We're seeing youth that are engaging each other in the word as, notice this, young men and young women, not careless teens. Young men and young women. Regarding mission, God has blessed us with two very, very, very dear families in the far corners of the field. One family in Kazakhstan, one family in Jordan. And not only has he blessed us with these families in the last seven years, over time we're seeing better and better engagement of these families. We still have not arrived. We still have much to learn about using technology and having them on our minds and hearts and engaging them as much as possible. But we're starting to have more of a presence in Kazakhstan and hopeful to have more of a presence in Jordan. The family that's in Jordan is going to be spending the summer with us. Be a good chance for us to sow into their lives and minister to them. We've also had the chance to plant a church through Crosspoint. A little church in Commerce, Commerce Community Church, is living and breathing And it's looking like a garden should look like over time. Intentional and slow growth, but true growth. And lastly, regarding music. Scott took me to a passage. We were talking about what God has done in music in this body. You just have just this weird concentration of musicians in this body. Or we have a concentration of weird musicians in this body. I'm not sure which it is. It's maybe both. Scott and I were talking about it, and Scott took me to Romans chapter 15, verse 5. says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony, great word, with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the number of musically gifted people is growing in this body, it's still one voice. It's still one message. And it's almost like every Sunday sounds different, as it should, as we are singing newly week by week by week. There's songwriting that's a product of our journey together in the Word. Most of the songs that we've sung this morning and have yet to sing are songs that this body, that God has produced through this body. We have a media team that's consistent and growing, that's serving behind the scenes every week. We have a drummer that breaks cymbals regularly. I tried to get one here that apparently he's already thrown away that looked like a cookie monster took a bite out of it. I don't, how do you break a cymbal? Run over it with a car or give it to Corey Pfeiffer? He's also broken every set of sticks that we've bought for him. And I think all of us are going to need hearing aids a little sooner. But Corey Pfeiffer is a great picture of how Peter would have played the drums. And it's awesome to see it in motion. We have nobody, too, that nobody in the world that can strum as fast as Mark Atkinson. He's the fastest strummer in the world. And we have nobody else in the world that looks more like Esau than Clint Stevens. 
God has some sweet verbs in motion in this body. Sweet verbs. He has been mighty with a bunch of, I'm going to say it again, misshapen misfits. Chief, misshapen, misfit. There's no boasting in us. There's no room to. We boast only in the cross of Christ and God's greatness. Considering what he's done to us and through us and on us and with us in the last seven years, we wonder together what God could do in the next seven or the next 10 or the next 40. It's exciting to think about. Our hope and our prayer is that God will continue to grow a healthy, vibrant bride, growing more and more beautiful, anticipating Christ's return. Hoping that he will use us to bring supreme glory to his good name in Greenville, the surrounding areas in Kazakhstan, Jordan, Commerce, and wherever else he might send us. Now we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Let me tell you briefly what's in store in these next few minutes. How we're taking the Lord's Supper is really sort of characteristic of who we are as a church. We don't do it this way every week, but I was thinking about this model for taking the Lord's Supper. I was thinking, I was sort of fearful for the guest (laughs) or maybe um, somebody who's only been here a few times that you might be uncomfortable. And I said at the beginning of our time together, we try and stay off balance. Comfort's overrated. Comfort's overrated. We don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. We just want to be authentic and genuine as we are on this journey together. And this supper is that we're about to take as a reflection of that. We're going to ask you to come up as families. If you're here as a widow or a single, then come up with another family. Families, you be looking around you for who you can take with you. And come up together and take the Lord's Supper. And somebody, hopefully a shepherd of one of the families, lead the gathering at each table in prayer. Take the Lord's Supper together. This baskets are for two things. For your offering as we give in worship and for your membership renewal or your membership. It's also a card to say, I want to become a member for the first time. You can drop that in these baskets as you come up. And I have a charge for you as we take the Lord's Supper together. Our, our band is going to continue to sing. Y'all can come on up, Mark. I have a charge for you from Martin Luther. It's good. Martin Luther says, My faithful request and admonition is that you join our company and associate with us who are real, great, and hard-boiled sinners. You must by no means make Christ to seem paltry and trifling to us as though he could be our helper only when we want to be rid from imaginary, nominal, and childish sins. No, no. That would not be good for us. He must rather be a savior, a redeemer from real, great, grievous, and damnable transgressions and iniquities. Yea, from the very greatest and most shocking sins. You will have to get used to the belief that Christ is a real Savior and you are a real sinner. For God is neither jesting nor dealing in imaginary affairs. But he was greatly and most assuredly in earnest when he sent his own son into the world and sacrificed him for our sakes. Let me pray. God, in these next few minutes, we're so thankful that we are invited to a table as cripples, 
as misshapen misfits that don't deserve to eat with the living God. We acknowledge and recognize that our invitation is the blood of Jesus. And we come wearing his blood. We come with a smile on our face, enjoying his finished work. We come with a message on our lips, proclaiming that his work is finished and that we stand in that finished work. As we approach your table this morning, we partake of Christ. We worship him and worship you. Lord, we pray that you'll be enjoyed in these next few minutes. I pray too for this time as we recommit our membership and our responsibility and our accountability to each other that you'll be glorified through that as a bunch of ordinary people make real true commitments to one another Lord I pray too that you will bless our our offerings as we recognize that we are giving back to you that which we can't keep anyway we're thankful for your provision we turn this time over to you in Christ's precious name we pray amen Lastly, let me, just, let me just announce that uh, starting 10 a.m., that's not just Easter Sunday, but starting 10 a.m., we're going to worship uh, weekly instead of 1045. We've heard from some folks that the little ones are hungry by the time we dismiss, and I'm a big one, and I'm hungry by the time we dismiss. So we're going to move it back to 10 and um, hopefully uh, put kids more in line with lunchtime. And there's nothing keeping us from gathering at 10, so we'll start doing that next week. Thank you all for being here this morning. You're dismissed. Have a great rest of the day.